Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. And I have one more message that I feel burning in my spirit. I may not have you on your feet, but I hope before we're done, God can put us on our face. Because this is a very serious season that the kingdom of God is in. Very serious season. When COVID first hit, probably the first two or three weeks of it, I told my wife that what I feel what I feel is happening is the scriptures being fulfilled everything that can be shaken will be shaken two years out of it sure enough people we thought was on fire for God won't even come back to church God has shaken stuff. So we are standing in a serious season. We're going to go back and revisit the book of Mark tonight. Chapter 10 this time. Mark chapter 10. Brother and Sister Gill, Bishop Walls, I honor them so highly. Esteem them so highly. Thank you for honoring my family, Brother Gill. I had a pastor's wife few months ago in Oregon who was honoring my wife and she made a statement really I had never thought about but I picked it up and I carry it with me when she was honoring my wife she said that people say behind every man behind every preacher is a good wife she said but sister Atkins I want you to know you are not behind your husband you are beside of your husband that is so true that is so true things she does that no one knows about I tell her often I don't care who could be watching that would be offended offenses will come but I tell her often that she is the epitome of what an evangelist wife should be And I'm so thankful. So thankful for that. Verse 46 of Mark chapter 10. 
and they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still, commanded him to be called. They called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. That, that, that kind of puts a damper on come as you are. I get it, but sometimes we got to get rid of stuff. Jesus answered and said unto him, What will thou that I should do unto thee? Blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Immediately he received his sight. Follow Jesus in the way. I preach to you tonight with a heavy heart of where I see too many in the kingdom. See, one reason you need an evangelist is because they can come in with the perspective of the kingdom. Not just a local assembly, but the kingdom. And it may not be for everybody, but one is too many. I want to preach to you tonight on the perishing power of Pentecost. Not the perished. It's got some life left, but if we as the kingdom of God don't get serious. It's going to die because it's breathing its last breath. And if it dies, afraid to think of the fate of God's people if this power dies. Would you lift your hands and ask the Holy Ghost sincerely to help us tonight? may be seated. For the casual reader of these scriptures, one that doesn't pay attention to repetitive phrases, 
It may be easy for the words to just bend and blend with the rest, but for your consideration tonight, there are some words that we find in these verses of Scripture that I want to put a microscope at and look at closely. Verse 46 tells us they came. Everyone say they. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples. So that's at least 12. And a great number of people. In one verse, we got they, we have his disciples, we have a great number of people. Verse 48, we are told many charged Bartimaeus to hold his peace. So we have the they. We have the disciples. We have an amount of people that Mark doesn't even take time to do a head count. He just says it's a great number of people. And then we have many. So needless to say, Bartimaeus and Jesus are not the only two on the scene. There is an enormous amount of people that's made the trip walking with Jesus. So I've, I've got to ask, I, I just wonder who could it be in the mix of people? Who could it be in that crowd that made up the they? The great number, the many. I believe to find the answer, we must begin in Mark's gospel. And when we do in just the first chapter, we find an unclean spirit is rebuked. Many diseased and possessed are helped and healed a leper is healed in Mark chapter 2 Jesus heals a man with palsy in Mark chapter 3 Jesus heals the withered hand and multitudes follow Jesus it is in Mark chapter number four that we find more miracles in John or Mark chapter five a man with an unclean spirit is healed Jairus' daughter is raised back to life if you follow the thread it's miracle after miracle Mark chapter six five thousand are fed. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus walks on the water. It is in Mark chapter 7 that a girl is delivered and a deaf man is healed. It is in Mark chapter 8 that again multitudes are fed and Jesus heals a blind man at Bethesda. It is in Mark chapter 9, a dumb and deaf spirit is cast out. And we are told that many miracles happened at the name of Jesus. So when we get to Mark chapter 10, I don't believe 
It's a far-fetched notion or a strange idea that among the they, among the great number of people, among the many, no doubt has to be maybe a family or two that was fed at the feeding of 5,000. Maybe Jairus is there along with his daughter. Maybe the man that was delivered of devils has found his way walking with Jesus. No doubt if 4,000 are fed, at least four or five of them are walking along the road with Jesus because it is impossible to feel his presence and to get his touch and there not be something in your life that wants to stay with him. I'm going to try that again. It is impossible to get a touch from Jesus and that touch make you want to leave Jesus. And the miracle make you want to abandon Jesus. Oh no. Once you feel the touch of God, you want to feel the touch of God again. Once you hear his voice, you want to talk to him one more time. Once you enter into his presence, everyday life is no longer good enough. You want to stay there. You want to walk with him. You want to talk with him. You want to stay put and stay at his feet and hold his hand along the way. Give me some more monitor, please. If you are in the presence of Jesus, there's just something about that voice. There's just something about the anointing. There's just something about the power of the Holy Ghost. You just have to come back. You just have to fill it time and time again. We ought to be thankful for the they and the many and the great number that when friends left and when family left, and when it was easy to take another road, we ought to be thankful that it was somebody who stayed put at the feet of Jesus. We ought to be thankful it was somebody who refused to leave. Come on, there's some of you in this house tonight. Uh, you've been faithful to God year after year. You've saw people come and you've saw people leave. Uh, thank you for not being one that left. Uh, thank you that you're still here. Thank you that you still believe in one Lord. Thank you that you still believe in the Acts 2.38 message. Thank you that you still believe. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Thank you that you still believe in the power of holiness and the value of worship and the need for revival. Thank you for not leaving when it was easy to leave. I come to you with heaviness tonight. I come to you with a weighty spirit upon my shoulder that while I could stay for the next 45 minutes to an hour thanking you for staying and thanking people for not going and thanking the they and the many for staying put, as Jesus said with those churches in Asia, I have somewhat against thee. Because now on the day that Bartimaeus is after his miracle, after he's tried every physician and every doctor and every hospital, and after he's tried all of the medicine and all the advice, and he's done everything that everybody's told him to do, now on the day he gets the need met, Instead of those who stayed with Jesus helping him out, 
they now become the only ones to complain about the noise he's making. Only ones to say to this man who needs a healing, settle down, hold your peace are the very individuals who when they needed a me when they needed a need to get met they came running to Jesus they wasn't afraid to get loud they wasn't afraid or ashamed to get beside themselves i'd like to ask them what has happened to you that you once stood in the same predicament that Bartimaeus is now standing in and instead of you leading the man to a miracle, you become his only hindrance to get one. What's happened to you? How, how long have you been walking with Jesus that his voice no longer touches you? And his presence no longer changes you. That in the presence of Jesus, you would have the audacity to complain. What's happened? They, great number, many, what have you lost that you used to possess? What spirit have you allowed to die on you that, Mark, that Bartimaeus is allowing to live in him? I, 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 just, I just need to know what has happened because, because I see the same power in Pentecost in my travels as I find in Mark chapter 10. And I'm sorry if I take it personal. I'm, 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 I'm sorry if my hunger for a move of God is more than what you may have for yourself. But I, 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 I take it very personal. And I, and I have to ask myself, what has happened to my Pentecost? When I look back, the past 40 years of my life I, and I see and I remember if I close my eyes it's like I can put myself there in the room remembering the way it was just have to ask what has happened to my Pentecost Those of you that could care less, I'm not talking to you. I'm not wasting my time with you. I'm talking to us that want to move a God. What has happened to the they? See, I can remember very vividly the Sunday night, Sunday night shoutdowns we used to have. When Shouting and dancing and running was not strange. It was odd if you did not see that. I remember the Holy Ghost falling so thick at times that I would walk down the hallways of my father's church and see young people laid out in the spirit. I would walk out in the foyer and see them laid out talking in tongues, watching them being put in somebody's car and be driven home because they were so drunk they couldn't drive home themselves. But now we got to pull teeth for Holy Ghost filled people to even get an amen out of them. What has happened to my Pentecost? Right. 
There was, there was a day that, 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 a, that, that a healing touched from God. It, it, it was not optional. Either you got healed or you died. So you did anything to get a healing. You acted any way to get a healing. But now, if we don't get healed, it's okay. We got medicine to take. That's, that's usually when Pentecostals get quiet. So what's happened to my Pentecost? When did God become our backup option? When did God become plan B? When did revival become optional? When did a move of God, when did a move, a real, not, not a man-made, worked-up move of God, but a sovereign move of God, one that was unplanned. When, when, when did Pentecost program a move of God? That we know what songs to sing and we know what set we're going to sing and if God dares, tries to move, we're just going to put them in a box because we got business to take care of and we got things to do. What's happened to my Pentecost? When did a move of God become secondary and not the main thing? When did convicting anointed Holy Ghost sent preaching that would bring people to an altar and make them evaluate their lives and change themselves. When did it become we get angry and upset and bitter? And What's happened to my Pentecost? What, what, what has happened that, that we even have we even have scriptures that tell us to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is and so much the more as you see the day approaching which, which pretty much means the more you see the end time approaching the more you ought to be in church but now my Lord, going five days at one time in a revival is unheard of. What's happened to my Pentecost? See, it's kind of hard to have a real move of God when you've learned how to have church with that one. Revival is no longer needed when you've learned how to operate your church like a business and not a kingdom. What's happened to you, they? What's happened to you, great number? You was just as loud as Bartimaeus, Jarius, when your daughter was dying. But now, now you've walked with Jesus for so long and, and you've been in church for so long and you think you're so deep into this. Now you think you can monopolize the way God moves. See, the, 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 the new cart has never bothered me as much as it does some Pentecostal people. I mean, we've got people that's written books about that new cart. The new cart that David put the Ark of the Covenant on and, and how evil the new cart was. And we've, we've, we've said that that new cart was television and that new cart was charismaticism and that new cart was everything. The new cart don't bother me near as much as the spirit of Yusuf bothers me. Because the Bible tells us that when it was put on the new cart, Yusuf drave the cart. That means he was in front of it. Prior to that point, everybody was behind the Ark of the Covenant. And wherever the Ark of the Covenant went, they followed. Because that Ark of the Covenant represented the power and the presence and the glory of God. That means you followed God. 
But you see, it's been in Yusuf's house for a few weeks now, and he's got used to that presence. He's got familiar with that spirit, and now he's got the attitude, I can drive which way God goes. Yeah, no, we, we Pentecostals don't battle the new cart as much as we do the spirit of use. Let me sing the song. I'll get them moving. Let me preach the conference. I'll turn them upside down. Let me, come on, let me play the music. I'm better than they are. Come on, it's the spirit of use. And when he stretched out his hand, it was more than just touching that killed him. It was the spirit he carried that God said nobody dictates with which way I go. Nobody, come on, nobody interrupts which way I move. I move when I want. I move how I want. I move where I want. It don't matter who's singing, who's preaching. But the great number don't understand that. Oh, Bartimaeus, you're new at this. You've, you've never walked with Jesus. You've, you've never talked to him as much as I have because I pray eight hours a day. Let me tell you how God is supposed to move. No one sang a song yet. Because if God is going to move, you have to have at least three songs. If God is going to move, you have to invite people to come pray if they have a need. Am I in your face yet? If God is going to move, you have to take up an offering. If God is going to move, the choir must sing. If God is going to move, the preacher has to preach and the altar call has to be given. And Bartimaeus, as long as it's not a Tuesday night or a Sunday morning, and as long as every singer is on key and the music is fresh and the singing is something you know that you can sing along with and the preacher preaches just like you want him to, then maybe God can move if they sing the right altar call song. But Bartimaeus, nobody has sang yet. The choir hasn't sang yet. The offering's not been taken up. It's, it's not a revival service, Bartimaeus. It's just mid-afternoon, Bartimaeus. Come on, nobody's preached yet. Nobody's testified yet. Come on, we ain't got our best clothes on yet. We're just walking on the dusty roads of Jerusalem. And all Bartimaeus knows is I don't know your protocol. I don't know your programs. I don't know the way you think things should be. All I know is I'm here and Jesus is here and I refuse to let him walk by me without him touching me. So if you need your programs, Medor, and you need your protocol, you do what you will. But as for me, call me a Bartimaeus. I've got to get my miracle now. I've got to get my breakthrough now. I've got to get my revival now. I've got to get my healing now. There is no plan B for me. There is no backup option. It's God or bust. Never forget, years ago at a church, I was watching that clock start at 6 o'clock. 6.30 rolled around. People wasn't moving very much. Singers wasn't really into it. 30 minutes after people not want to be there, I didn't want to be there. I thought, just get me up, let me preach and go home. I'm going to tell you what that pastor said. He said, folks, it's only 6.30. We got to sing at least another 30. We got to be at least an hour before Brother Atkins gets up. I thought, you absolute idiot. You, you, really, you really think God needs an hour before he can move? I thought he needed just a moment. I, I, thought, I thought he needed just one prayer. No, you see, it's what we need. 
Because this ain't about God, it's about us. What? What? What has happened? What? What is, what is my Pentecost lost? Is it holiness? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no. We, we believe in holiness. In fact, I can take you to some spots. Is it, is it our doctrine? Oh, oh no, no, no. We, 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 still, we still believe except a man be born again of water and spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Don't we? We still believe the only way to be baptized is in the name of Jesus Christ. At least that's what the Bible says. If you don't agree with that, you don't believe with Scripture. We still believe that the Holy Ghost is the initial sign but not the last sign. Uh-oh. I said it's the initial. You know, initial means first. It's the initial sign. You talk in tongues, that's the initial sign of the Holy Ghost. But then you better bear some fruits of the Spirit. So, so what has the they lost? That, that they went. They went from doing anything they needed to get the attention of Jesus to being the only ones to complain about somebody trying to get the attention of Jesus. They're still walking with Jesus. They're still talking with Jesus. They're still dressing the part and acting the part. But there's a spirit they've allowed to die on them that I'm, I'm watching the Pentecostal move. I'm not talking to worldly sinners that don't know anything. I'm talking to those of us who's been walking with Jesus for a long time. We're losing something. What did the they lose? What did the many lose? What is it that we are losing? It's one word. What would cause a woman with an issue of blood to crawl on her hands and knees just for the opportunity to touch the hem of a garment? What would cause men to climb up on a roof and tear the roof off just to lay their sick friend down for the, for the, for the chance to get a miracle touch of Jesus? What? What would cause, what would cause people to yell out, have mercy on me? What, what would cause somebody to get loud? What, what would cause somebody to ask to walk on water? What, what is it that would cause somebody to just get beyond themselves because they had no plan B and they had no backup option? It's one word. It's called Desperation. If there's one thing I'm watching from California to Indiana and all points in between that the Pentecostal movement is losing, it's our spirit of desperation. Revival sounds good. A move of God sounds good. But becoming desperate to get one is a different story. If God chooses to move, I would love for him to. If God chooses to pour out revival, that would be a good thing. But, but if I have to fight for it, if I have to bleed for it, if I have to sweat for it, if I have to give up my personal time to obtain it, let's just have good church and good singing and good preaching and let me go home feeling like I'm saved. 
The definition of desperation is the feeling of being in such a bad situation that you are willing to take any risk any risk in order to change it. It is the feeling of needing or wanting something very much. It is a feeling that you have no hope and are ready to do anything, anything, anything to change the situation you are in. Are you ready? Desperation is willing to be violent and therefore dangerous. But I'm not a worshiper. No, deadhead, you're not desperate. I don't do all that praise. And oh, no, you're just not desperate. Because when you become desperate, it don't matter. Who's watching, who's singing, who's looking. It doesn't matter if it's the first song, if it's the last song, or if it's no song. It doesn't matter if it's the beginning of service, the end of service, or in the smack dab middle. It don't matter when you're desperate, you take any risk to change your situation. When you're desperate, you do anything to get your healing. When you're desperate, you act any way to get God to show up when you're desperate. Hey, what desperation does. One of the greatest testimonies I ever heard Come came from an individual in California. Amazing thing is, before we pulled out there, we heard we heard all the stories. You'll starve out there. They're too liberal out there. Nobody wants to move a God. <laughs> the devil is a liar. So are church folk. It was a revival that went on past the schedule in. I really didn't know all the details about it until, until the next night the pastor had one of his men to stand up and testify about what just happened. Man stood up and he said, my wife and I and our kids we had a vacation planned to Disney World. We, we already pay, paid for the tickets. We already paid for the hotels. We already paid for the resort. We already paid for the parks. We already got our plane tickets to fly all the way to Florida. But pastor, you announced revival is going on and this was his words. Revival is more important than vacation. We are gonna lose thousands thousands of dollars but revival is more important than vacation we went on and then we went on again and then we went on again and then come on you know what that is it's a spirit I'm not satisfied with revival being an option I'm not satisfied with a move of God being a plan B no no I need God more than I need fun I need God more than I need a vacation come on Indiana are you like that? Madora, is that your heartbeat? We gotta have revival and we gotta have it now. We gotta have a stirring and we gotta have it now. We gotta have a move of God and we gotta have it now. We need the Lord and we need him now. Or have you learned how to have church without God even being there? See, right now, there should be such a brokenness and such a hunger in your spirit that, God, I'm willing. Come on, don't, 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 don't add anything into this. Just take it for what it's worth. What if Gil came up here and said, you know what, tonight's not the last night. 
I think we need to go five more nights. Would you be here? Or are you too wore out? Four leprous men were sitting outside the gate of Samaria. They had been there for a number of days because of the famine that had hit the land. A famine so famine so sore that babies were being eaten. Doves' dung was being sold as a meal to have. It was a horrible famine. Four Leprous men sat outside that gate. Eve's dropped in on a conversation between the prophet and the keeper of that city that by this time tomorrow, you'll have so much meal and so much corn. You'll have so much riches and blessings that, 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 that one of you won't be able to take it. it. It'll take the whole city because this is not going to be a family revival. It's going to be a city-shaking revival. And one leprous man dare to ask the question, why sit we here? Pentecost, I hope you feel my heart. If all we do is keep sitting, we're going to die. If all we do is keep doing what we've always done, we're going to die. I don't care how hurt you are, how leprous you are. I don't care how long it's been since you yourself had a breakthrough in your spirit. There needs to be an attitude that grabs a hold of you tonight. Why sit we here until we die? You can stay put if you want to, but I got no other option. I can't rely on my medicine. I need my healing. I can't rely on Medicaid. I need my healing. I can't rely on Blue Cross and Blue Shield. I need my healing. And I need my healing now. I can't rely on just good music and good singing. And baby, you got it. I got to have a move of God. And I've got to have a move of God now. If I got to shout to have one, I'll shout to have one. If I got to travail to have one, I'll travail to have one. If I got to crawl to have one, I don't care what you say. I don't care how you feel. I don't care how I look. I'm not worried about being pretty. I'm worried about a move of God. I'm not worried about being cute. I'm worried about a move of God. I'm not worried about my Pentecostal way. I'm worried about a move of God. I've got to have a revival of desperation. I'll tell you, there will always be, I don't care if it's a church of 1,500 or a church of 15, and I've preached in them both, there will always be the spirit of the great number. Always be that spirit. It, it takes the right ingredients before God can do anything. There will always be those that say, we need the old song. No, we need the new songs. No, we need the fast songs. No, we need the slow songs. No, we need this particular evangelist. Or we need this particular preacher. Or we need to wait for this particular camp meeting. If you can worship at your camp meeting, but you can't clap in your church... You need the Holy Ghost. That's, a, that's an old Pentecostal slogan I've heard all my life. Still don't get it. 
Never understood it. When we have one of those, one of those shout downs, we say stuff like, man, it felt like camp meeting in there. What does that even mean? What, what, what we're saying is it takes. See, poor Bartimaeus, he's never been around Jesus. He's never been to church. He's never been taught how to act. He knows this. I'm desperate. <laughs> I'm desperate. You know what desperation does? Somebody, somebody tell me, what did Bartimaeus need? Blinded eyes to be open, right? But did you notice? Twice he said, have mercy on me. Never mentioned the blindness. Never mentioned the condition. Just said, have mercy on me. But when Jesus saw, he refused to be quiet and he refused to sit still. Jesus called the man to him. Watch it. And Jesus said, what can I do for you? Then and only then did he say, I want to receive my sight. That means desperation. Medora, desperation will take you to a place where you're not the one always doing the asking. But he starts asking you, how can I help you today? Where do you need me to touch today? What need can I meet for you today? Because desperation will always move Jesus more than the great number can. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.